from the old geeks. Two old farts, a microphone, and the internet. What could go wrong? Putting a little early today. We are recording a little bit early. We're uh, heading into Memorial Day weekend, and everybody's got uh, either a half day today or or are completely off today, so I thought, let's just knock this out so uh, I have the afternoon open. I thought I would anyways. Um, got one of those crazy clients this week, uh, you know, the people that just don't understand anything. Been working on a comp for a homepage redesign for them. Uh, they've changed things about 10,000 times. And uh, as of yesterday, finally, we got to sign off on a comp. So, of course, I got a text message this morning saying, we'd like the website up today. <laughs> well... All we did was have a comp. Now we have to break it down. I have to actually build it. I have to find plugins. It's just, it's, yeah. it, it's just one of the, you know, I, I've railed about this stuff a lot. It's, it's, it's because we made things so simple with Facebook and Twitter on your phone. It's just the assumption that it, 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 this takes no effort. <laughs> well, once you get the pretty pictures done, that's all there is to it, right? Yeah, yeah. You just, you just, you just put it online. You, you emailed me the homepage. Why, why don't you just put it up? Exactly. Yeah. So, so I can't believe you still have to deal with that shit. Hey, it's oh. you know it's the music industry. It's it's it is what it is. They they're very good at certain things, not so good at other things. But uh, it, it's fine. And you know what? I'm just actually going to tell them that uh, they can wait because it is a holiday weekend. And one of the other things that we always discuss on the show is the need for downtime, and I need downtime. Absolutely. Yeah. Although I've got a three-day work weekend, so that'll be fun. <laughs> so, uh, man, yeah, so we had to caffeinate early, and uh, mm-hmm. I have a new tea that I'm trying out today. You, you've been telling me about puers yes. quite a bit, so I am having a Wild Leaf Menghai 2003 puer from the Red Blossom Tea Company in San Francisco. Wow, they do like ears as if it's wine. <laughs> it's delicious, though, man. I got this uh, from... This tea, you can't... I mean, this stuff is great, and it's supposed to be... Absolutely fantastic for you. Yeah, I, I got a uh, one of the quarterly boxes from Mr. Ferris, mm-hmm. and this was in it, and it's it's amazing. The the downside of that box I got though is this is like a, a past quarterly box, and they just had a few lying around, so I got to pick it up because I missed it, and I wanted the uh, there was a book vagabonding signed by Ralph Potts. Uh, Tim actually talked about that when he was on our show, and I went back and picked it up. Well. There's a thing about uh, selling boxes that have perishables in them because there was a bag of uh, blue bottle coffee in there mm. that was roasted in November of last year, <laughs> which when I opened the bag smelled like a cat's ass. And I thought, oh, OK, maybe it's just you – know, I'll grind it up and I'll give it a shot. Nope, tasted like a cat's ass too. So they need to, they need to really work on that uh, perishables with you know old stock thing. Yeah, was, that's uh, very true. It was quite the bummer because I was really looking forward to it. So, but the tea, the tea is still good. Oh so. yeah, I, I'm drinking my pure tea as well. I'm I'm drinking a ginger organic. It's a a blend of ginger and orange peel. It's the ultimate cold fighter. Apparently, I didn't. I wasn't aware of that. Maybe I should have been drinking it last week. Before yeah, I got you were sick, sick last yeah. week. Uh, so. But I get mine shipped to me from a from a place called David's Tea, which uh, I believe is. There's a couple locations in the U.S., but uh, the only one I knew of is in Toronto. So when I was actually there, I stopped in at the store, picked up a couple, brought it back with me. Uh, DavidsTea.com has a nice selection of puers to go from. And uh, can't recommend this tea enough. It's really good. Cool. I'll give it a shot when I'm out of my uh, red to blossom. <laughs> so uh, climate change apparently is on your uh, your mind this week. Uh, it's kind of more of a follow-up from, from last week when we got the news that the uh, glaciers were melting and there's nothing we could ever do to stop it and we're kind of screwed. Um, learn to swim. Learn to swim. <laughs> learn to swim, yeah. But there was a series of uh, of images done by a guy named Nikolai Lamb 
Um, this actually did the rounds a while back, but it's obviously popped back up on, on sites because of uh, the news about uh, basically we're, the oceans are going to rise and there's nothing we can do to stop it. Uh, we have the link in the show notes. It's actually a really interesting imaginations of basically what's going to happen if the ocean rises the four or so inches that they're predicting uh, for a lot of U.S. major cities, Boston, uh, Chicago, New York, Washington. Uh, no, 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 not Chicago. Oh, no, they didn't show Chicago. <laughs> well, that doesn't That's mean you're not going to get anything, but well, we'll see. Well, we're in the Midwest. We have a lake. We have a Great Lake. That's true. The Great Lakes are not fed by the ocean. <laughs> so guess what? Yeah, but, you can uh, uh, you can come visit me high and dry. Well, I, I, I'm looking at the the uh, illustration predicting what will happen to Venice Beach, and actually, uh, it's looking pretty good for me because of my location up on the hill. I think I might actually be uh, I'll be closer to beachfront property, so my value should rise. So you'll just go faster when the tsunami hits. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some things go up, some things go down. Yeah, it's the way it is. So I, the images are really cool. I like how they did that. Uh, they've got this cool little funky. You know, you can just swipe back and forth and see the waters rise over you know various landmarks in various cities. Um, it, this seems to be pretty spot on. I mean, he put uh, this guy put some serious thought into it. Did some math. Did some uh, did some trigonometry. Did all that sort of crap. So there you go. <laughs> and some cool Photoshop work. And some cool Photoshop work. Definitely. So speaking of the weather, right before we uh, came on the air, I got a new Google, uh, Chrome alert telling me what the weather was where I'm at. Uh, I have disabled Chrome alerts three times so far, and they just keep coming back. They're like cockroaches. I don't know why Chrome just keeps turning it back on whenever it does an auto update that I don't even ask it to do. It just does it by itself now. Yeah, that's which is well, fine. I mean, I'm fine with that. Just they seem to have like improvements every time, but uh, minor tweaks. But this Chrome, this Chrome alert thing is just driving me nuts. <laughs> don't I don't want it in my menu bar. My menu bar is so full of crap already. It just it it's too too much. I, I just don't understand the process of of the the development of software like this, where where they could just so easily build in the keep all the preferences. When we do an update, it's the same like I've complained about with my iPhone. Every single time there's an update, it switches uh, Bluetooth back on. I, I don't use Bluetooth. It's a battery drain for me. I don't ever use it. Every single update, boom, it's right back on. Yeah. <laughs> so annoying. <laughs> you know, you get what you get now. But uh, speaking of like weather alerts, um, again, this is another frustration of, of government and technology and when they get access to, to funky tools that they never had before. I thought I had had all this sort of stuff switched off, and I actually thought that it was they had to have very special processes to go out and do alerts. Yesterday in the middle of the afternoon here in Los Angeles, where we just finished a massive heat wave, it's finally cooled down a little bit, but there is no chance of rain whatsoever. I got a an alert on my phone followed by I had the Dodger game on in in the other room that was just playing and I could hear the TV go off into like a 3 minute like beep 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 warning warning warning. <laughs> we had flash flood warnings blasted out to our phones and our cable TV with zero chance of rain. <laughs> what the fuck? You know, uh, technology is supposed to make these things easier and better. And do we really need warnings blasted at us in 7,000 different ways, even if there was a reason for the warning? Well, I blame the hackers. Well, if you weren't watching TV, you wouldn't have known it was on the TV. So, And most people, we know TV's dying, you know? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's the way it happens. And uh, to turn that off, if you go in on your iPhone, if you go into settings, notification centers, go all the way to the bottom. There's uh, two two toggles for government alerts, one for amber alerts and one for emergency alerts. I keep the emergency alerts one on because I'm here in the Midwest now and we have things like tornadoes that will come and try and kill you. True, yes. And, fl and flash floods. We got a flash flood warning last week, so – 
<laughs> I keep I keep that on just in case because it is actually useful. Right. It didn't it didn't give me an alert that golf ball size hail were on the way, so I could put <laughs> my car in the garage. But <laughs> right. fortunately, we have uh, the alert network of our friends who give us a call and it's like, dude, get your car in the garage. My house is dented now. I saw some photos from that. It looked insane. Oh my god, yeah. yeah. It's and I saw I saw a car yesterday that had gone through it. And it looked like a golf ball with all the pitting on it. It was crazy. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it still had windows. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyways, that was, that was another setting that I'm reasonably sure that I've had off and, and since an update has, has switched back on. So can you developers please stop doing that? <laughs> on, the, on the update side, Facebook rolled out an update to their update, <laughs> which, which it took the uh, most recent item – feed list, whatever, and moved it from the feeds up to uh, the favorites set or like the quick quick launch tab. Yeah. Because they got so much gr- like gruff for yeah. for pulling it out of there. So at least they made a change. Yeah, know? at least for once they finally listened to how people actually use their service and, and kind of gave in to the public exclaim and outcry going, you fucking assholes. <laughs> yeah, they moved, it, they moved it to the bottom of the favorites list now so you can get to it a little bit faster. A little bit faster, but still it's, it's – uh, Still won't remember your preference. No, it doesn't remember the preference and it's just It not. doesn't remember the preference. If, you, if you're in most recent, you go look at an article and you come back, yeah. it will still revert back to newsfeed. I know. It's unbelievable. That's draconian, but you know, fuck it. It's Facebook. Hey, it's free. Yep. But you know what's not free? Hmm. Booking your favorite band to come play at your party or your house. No, it's not. Uh, this is <laughs> – yeah, this this was sent to me by numerous people. Um, oh, it was? Okay. Yeah, Damn, yeah. I, thought I thought I had a scoop here. No, it's definitely making the rounds right now. This is one of the – so this is yeah, it's a it's a list of how much your favorite band would cost to yeah, book if you wanted to book them. So you know basically that's how most bands make their money, and and most bands that you actually think that might not even be active anymore are probably doing two to three corporate gigs a year, um, and this is how they still make money and quite a bit of it. Um, it's a really interesting chart. Uh, this is one of the the good slash bad things about the internet because this information is is kind of supposed to be very you know, off the radar and not public, but here it is. Basically almost every single currently active band in the world telling you exactly how much they ask for, uh, for corporate events or private parties or whatever. Yeah. It's, and, it's uh, crazy. Yeah. Seeing this list and a number of my clients happen to be on it. I'm definitely not. I know that's what the first I'm thing I did was look up. All, <laughs> yeah. First thing I did was look up all your clients. I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> Alanis is a bargain. I can get her for 150 K. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's, People just look at this and just think that that's that's flat out like okay some sort of rating chart of what an artist is currently doing or active, but uh, you got to take it into account. Like, all right, Alanis basically could come and just do it by herself with an acoustic guitar. She doesn't necessarily need to have an entire crew. You have a band like Green Day or, or you know any kind of larger band, then you're talking the price goes up because they have so much equipment. They have crew. They have to get a truck. They have blah 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 blah. So. Uh, but still, it's 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 a funny little list and, and quite interesting. And no, uh, I'm just I'm just looking at it, going, man, I want to win the lottery so I can book some of these people. <laughs> Apparently, you know, we could have Tori Amos come over for fifty thousand dollars. I wonder if I can get Smashing Pumpkins on a discount because they're local. I'd only ask for the original lineup. That might drive the price up a bit. Uh, could be, could be. <laughs> yeah. So in more music news, something kind of interesting happened. Spotify actually released numbers, sort of. Sort of. They, they released an infographic. They released a nice little infographic. Uh, they've hit 40 million active users. I actually thought there would be more than that uh, in 56 countries with 10 million subscribers. That number I'm surprised by because if they've only got 40 million active, one in four is actually paying. Yeah, that's, that's a 
pretty good. That's a good uh, turnover rate there. It's really impressive, actually. But what they didn't do, and we talked to, I've talked about this quite a lot internally with with my music industry friends, is they didn't release it by country. And uh, there are other countries that have much stricter uh, piracy laws. There are other countries that have basically more. Let's let's face it, morality about stealing things uh, okay. or, or getting stuff for free. So I'm I'm willing to bet that a huge chunk of that 10 million subscribers, probably the original company, countries that they started in. A lot of it's going to be European Union. Uh, I don't think that there are all that many subscribers actually in the U.S. But uh, you know, it'd be nice if they released that information. But fat chance of that ever happening. Yeah, man. Look, be be grateful for what you got. Okay? Exactly. <laughs> well, this is this is how the world has become now, isn't it? it you, we used to have you know. Well, I'll get to it later because we have an article that talks about it. <laughs> okay. Um, the one thing I noticed this week is Soylent has actually started shipping. Yeah, yeah. Are you going to order any? I'm tempted to try it. I'm, I'm tempted really to try tempted to try, it, try it. it. I am tempted to try it as well. It's Spe- 255 bucks for a full month worth or 28 days worth of you know food Ooh. packets. So, I mean, for for an experiment, it might be kind of fun. And you know, 255 bucks is not not bad for a month's worth of food. It's not bad for a month's worth of food, but I don't even think I could eat just pizza for a month. Well, you, you can get now. You get used to it. You get used to it. I did that two month fast, and it was just basically a bite of chicken and some water all day, and right. some vitamins, and you totally get used to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, maybe we'll have to both order it and give it a shot. Um, the one thing, the, um, the Ars Technica article that we'll link to in the show notes at grumpyoldgeeks.com slash 59, um, when they beta tested it, this guy was like, man, the farts were insane. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the biggest thing. He's like, five days of farting is like what you can expect when you try this. And I'm like, well, I don't have, I don't have to have any client meetings, so I could probably get away with it. Yeah. My roommate might shoot me. I was but. about to say, you have a roommate. I live with someone <laughs> who would definitely not appreciate this. So I like to keep the flora and fauna in my gut on somewhat of an even keel. <laughs> <laughs> but they said it they they fixed it in 1.0 for the most part so hmm. it is uh it is non pootyrific as it as it you used know, to be. I, I might have to adopt my policy regarding TV shows, and uh, I might have to wait for 2.0 before I actually give this a shot. <laughs> let's see what else happens to people. Yeah, let, let's treat the food replacement like Apple hardware and never buy version one. My God, it reset back to farting. <laughs> the farting preference has been <laughs> has been turned back on. <laughs> Oh, and something else I'm testing in that uh, quarterly box from uh, Tim Ferriss. I got one of the somas that we had, that we had Doctor Teeter on, who railed about so much. I, uh, I actually <laughs> tried to give it to him. I'm like, would you would you like it to test it out? And he's like, put a goldfish in it, <laughs> put it on your put it on your shelf. So I'm actually giving it a shot this weekend. I will do some side by side testing to see if the water tastes any different or any better. All right. I don't have any arsenic to put in it to see if I can get it out, but <laughs> as. <coughs> Uh, Sorry, excuse me. The cold is still lingering. <laughs> ah, yes. We don't have cough buttons on these new fancy USB mics. No, that actually would be good. They should build that into 2.0. Yes. Um, we were talking about uh, Comcast and the bandwidth issues before mm-hmm. and you know how you're, you're constant railing on how nothing is going to be uh, free much longer as far as uh, data, data goes, yeah. data caps on that. What I've noticed recently is they keep jumping up my bandwidth here, and don't they're not charging me anymore. It's and a, that's a, that's what a good drug dealer would do. Exactly. First get case your, is free. Get your hooks. Yep. <laughs> and I, I tell you what, I am hooked. Uh, I've got a photo that I'm going to put in the show notes. I've got a newer one. I hit 110 megabits per second download this wow, week. Wow, man. That's amazing. For like 60 bucks a month. They are definitely not doing that here because my, my bandwidth speeds are just no, 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 not even close. That's amazing. <laughs> 
It's funny. I made a uh, I made my first uh, Throwback Thursday blog post yesterday, and uh, <laughs> I, I put up pictures of my my first ISP mm-hmm. that we had in my Hollywood uh, house, and we were paying probably three thousand dollars a month for a T one, which was uh, one point three megabits. Right. So I mean, it's <laughs> it's crazy how like that has has changed. Not to mention the twelve phone lines that I had to have my street torn up to run into my home and yeah, all that yeah. stuff, and the TSU DSU, all that crap. <laughs> oh man, it was a pain. I think uh, I think running that ISP only cost me close to twelve thousand dollars at the end of the day. Wow, because we never made a dime. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now there was a an article going around by uh, this journalist Quinn Norton. Mm-hmm. And it's called Everything is Broken. It's on Medium. It's it's a fairly long read. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. like it's it's not short. But she sums up in this article everything that we've been saying. This has taken us a year and a half to say about yeah. how software is just inherently fucked. Yeah, and we were railing on this uh, when we had that other article. I think it was, it was two podcasts ago where we just started to talk about what a colossal fuck up everything on the internet is, how everything is basically duct taped together. Uh, this takes it to an even deeper level. It's a great read. And uh, the client who wrote me say, saying, why can't homepage be put up immediately? Go read this. <laughs> yeah, really. But I, I mean, it. I was really drawn to it because she knows a lot of security people, like mm-hmm. like hardcore security people. And, you know, they can't sleep at night because it's such a mess. So it, it, like she was saying, the ones that are like the the smartest and the deepest into it are the most alcoholic and nihilistic of the bunch. <laughs> Explains Which a I lot can totally about see. both of us too. Oh, that's true. Uh, really you know, I, I read through this article and I was just thinking, uh, going back to like the Facebook updates and and we how remember Jason, you and I were at the forefront of this. I mean, sure, we're not computer scientists by any level, but back in the day, we would, we could put together our own computers. We knew what the things actually did inside that little weird box. Everything is locked down now. You, you, we have no idea. And, and the really interesting thing about this article is how she starts to talk about it is just like there is not a single person on the planet right now who knows everything that's going on in a computer or with an operating system. Yeah, they're just too complicated. Yeah, they're all too complicated now, and no human could possibly understand it. And back in the day, that was not the case. We knew exactly what was going on, with even with all of our code. But it's not—it's just not that way anymore. Nope. It's it. it we're we're to the point now where Steve Jobs' vision of the computer as toaster is getting closer and closer to reality. Like I've got an iMac on my desk, I can't even open it. I can't even put a – I want to put a new hard drive in. I want to get an SSD in the thing, and I can't. Yeah, everything has to be external now. You, you cannot open up boxes. You can't get inside anymore. You can't look at the guts. And a lot of code is the same way these days. We're, yeah, we're all it, using code that we basically either can't access or arguably better, arguably worse, everyone in the world can access. <laughs> yeah, and one of the main things that she talks about is uh, the OTR encryption that's used in a lot of IM clients. Mm-hmm. And that's fine, but it sits on top of a piece of software, a, a library that is so buggy and patchy and just you know full of holes that it it kind of renders everything else <laughs> moot. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. it's like why bother when you get to the when you get down to the guts of it? It's like you just almost have to give up, you know, and just say, yeah. hey, shit's going to happen. It's get like, used to it. It's like building the most strong structure for a bridge ever, than forgetting to lay down any pavement and just leaving it open in the middle. Yeah, like using marshmallow as a foundation for your home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that is the internet, people. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of that, I this week I was really, really missing fuckedcompany.com. I miss that thing so much. And right now is the perfect time for it to come back. But I guess 
HUD is probably too uh, rich now to to give a damn. Probably. So he should sell it to one of these uh, uh, these little kids up in San Francisco to have another run at it because <laughs> it's perfect now. Although he'd have a hard time keeping up because these things come and go so fast. Yeah. And, and half of them aren't even real companies. It's three nerds in a basement. So <laughs> yeah, There's some kind of like flop house. Speaking of which, uh, Silicon Valley keeps getting better. <laughs> Oh my god, it is! It really is. Watching the the this last episode where they're at Disrupt, <laughs> I, I've been to Disrupt, and they're spot on. They really are. They nailed it. Yeah, it's it happened. It's it, the the thing is, they didn't even have to try. That's what it's like. Yeah, <laughs> that's the, really what it's like. They're, they're not exaggerating. <laughs> the guy who was like trying to use the microwave to heat people. <laughs> was, that, that sounds dangerous. You can't do that. No one will ever pay for this. I know. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. I just I was watching it. My jaw was on the floor. I'm so sad that we've only got one episode left. But yeah, I'm a little bummed about that as well. It, it's but it just, got it got picked up for season two, so I'm happy about that. Me too. Me too. It's just been fantastic viewing. I, I watch it Sunday after Game of Thrones, so at that point I've had uh, a liberal amount of wine. So I'm just it's perfect. It's a great way to set myself up for the week full of that crap and and to decompress decompress from the you know the sadness porn that is Game of Thrones exactly. So as podcasters, um, it's hard not to mention the king of podcasting, Adam Carolla, who uh, got himself in some trouble this week, although I'm not entirely sure why or how. A lot of articles out this week uh, taking a lot of his stuff out of context and a lot of people super angry at him who obviously have never listened to his podcast or actually read the article or – Actually, it's really – it's an interesting thing because I do listen to his show every day. And uh, there's this article on Salon.com, Adam Carolla. The the title is The Gay Mafia is Real. And you can just – even before I listened to Carolla talk about the article after it came out, you can tell that the journalist was baiting him and pushing him into a position that he actually isn't in. And he was trying to respond to it in a way that shows, no, this is not what I'm talking about. And – it's just one of those really interesting times where I can see how journalism works. I'm kind of on the inside because I listen to his actual show every day. I know what his opinions are on things, which I don't always agree with, but everybody is getting it wrong. The media picks it up. The media picks up the sound bites that are wrong, and a bunch of ignorant a-holes start talking about what an asshole is. Yeah, and <laughs> I think a, a lot of this is part of his plan. Mm-hmm. He feeds the trolls. Oh yeah, he yeah. absolutely feeds the trolls, and here's why I think he might even be, you know, feeding into this quite a bit because he's got a new book out now. Oh, That's yeah. why he's doing these interviews. So he's got a new book. He is very opinionated, and this just comes with the territory, you know. Yeah. Now there, you put, posted a follow up article called uh, "This Guy Blogged About the Terribleness of Adam Carolla, but Gave Up Because It Was Too Terrible." I love that story because that guy is just a loser. <laughs> He, oh, he, he completely, completely. Yeah. It's like just, just deal with it, dude. Don't listen to him. There's yes. your, you know, that's how turn, you handle it off. Yeah, if you hate something, you don't spend your entire life trying to get other people to hate it and then give up because nobody's paying attention to you and you feel all sad about it. You just don't listen. And uh, nobody listened to this guy. So <laughs> the interesting soundbite, or not soundbite, but the the bit that I took away from that article was after listening to Adam Carolla for a while. He, we talked about this. Mm-hmm. You get, you get angrier. You get short. Your temper gets shorter, 
and you just get fed up with things too quickly. And that's why I stopped listening to Adam Carolla's show. Yeah. I Every to, now and again, I'll listen to it if there's like a cool guest on, but I can't listen to him day in, day out because it just makes me angry. I had to take a break too because most of his shtick is picking on the stupid things in life and railing on them. And uh, as much as I almost always agree with him when he does it, it does beat you down if you're listening to it all the time. So I do have to take breaks as well. But I like him. He's definitely not a homophobe, which all these articles call him. He's not racist. He is very pragmatic and everybody's getting it wrong. And it's just really interesting to see how sad the state of journalism is because so many of these pieces are hack pieces just meant to get clicks. Yeah. And, you know, you can't work in Hollywood and be be a gay hater. You can't. It's impossible. And you can't hate Jews. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know. That's that's just a fact of life. So like everything where they talk about, you know, he hates gays. It's like, no, he doesn't actually. He t- <laughs> he says the truth about them and he's like, "Hey, you want to clean up a neighborhood? Bring, Bring in the gays." <laughs> and it's it's true. Look yeah. at West Hollywood. West Hollywood is just a, an amazing place. Yeah. Drive down, and, drive down Sunset from Hollywood into West Hollywood and just look at the difference. It's amazing. It's night and day. Mm-hmm. It's it's a completely different world. And so he's spot on. I mean, that is just that's just an evidence-based observation. <laughs> so, what can you say? That doesn't mean that doesn't mean anything. It just uh, drives me crazy. Yeah. Well, let me let me quickly talk about another one that actually I was still getting over the upsetness with that stupid journalism article and then I ran into another one. Jason Biggs' awful Twitter feed is ruining Orange is the New Black. Somebody actually yeah. wrote an article because they're not a fond of Jason Biggs' personal humor on his own Twitter feed, and I'm not understanding why there's an article that exists about this or how what an actor on a TV show does on his personal Twitter feed who doesn't write Orange is the New Black. It actually is kind of a bit part, as far as I can tell, on the show from the yeah, first I, season. Yeah, I wish they – What does this have to do with the show? How is he ruining the show? Why does this article exist and why am I starting to hate everything? Here's the deal. This is clickbait. Yeah. Orange is the New Black is coming back in mm-hmm. a few weeks and they're just – they're you know, this is SEO trolling. So here's, here's a piece of advice. If you see something stupid like this, don't click on it. Don't give them the page views and yeah. just suffocate them. Take the air out of the room. I think and, I'm going ha- to have to really review the sites that I look at because Salon used to be really good and now it's a lot of clickbait. It's gone the way of the Huffington Post. So I'm, I'm going to have to start switching up my, my daily reads. Yeah, you just can't you, you can't avoid that kind of thing because it's these these authors get paid by clicks. Yeah. You know, they get paid by views. So they're gonna do whatever they can <laughs> to get you more views. Yeah. And this rolls into another article I found. Just it was making the rounds. It's a it's a longer article, but it's a it's a fairly well written article. It's just called America Dumbs Down. Yeah, it's on McLean's, and, which is uh which is gonna be one of my new bookmarks because it's a great, great online magazine. So I, I'm, I don't want to go too far into it because it's just it's, it's a long article and it's 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 good. Definitely yeah. check it out. Yeah, I, I read through it all. It's it's definitely worth a read. Now you were talking about journalism and how it's terrible and all that. Now and I saw a piece on the Guardian where Neil Gaiman actually went to a uh, a Jordanian refugee camp and mm-hmm. does a does a great piece from it. Okay. It was it's a fantastic piece. Um, well, he's a good writer. How's he not going to write a good piece? I know. I just wish he would get back to writing entertainment and leave the leave the uh, reporting to other people. But he got into it because he was having. Uh, I guess they were asking him to retweet some of their stuff. Mm-hmm. It's it's like the UN uh, relief organization, and he was doing it. And then they're like, "Hey, well, you want to come out actually and check the place out?" So he said, "Yeah," and he went out and you know wrote a, wrote an amazing piece on it. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a good read. I liked it. So uh, whatever, whatever it, was, it, it was takes. Just, 
Yeah, it was just odd seeing, you know, like yeah. a powerhouse like Neil Gaiman writing articles for The Guardian. It's like, <laughs> dude, come on, get back to work. We need a, we need a Neverwhere sequel. So, <laughs> and speaking of sequels, J.J. Uh, Abrams posted a really cool thing from the set of Star Wars. Did you get to see this video? I did, yeah. I took a look at it. So it's it's pretty cool. I, I'm I'm just kind of avoiding everything to do with the Star Wars reboots until they're actually in theaters. Okay, you got a ways to go then. I know, but it's it's basically a lottery. You buy you buy a there's uh, a raffle. You buy a raffle ticket mm-hmm. for a lot of money, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you win, you get to be in the movie and you get to go hang out on the set and all the stuff. And all the money basically goes, I believe, it's to UNICEF. Yeah, I believe so. Which is so, uh, yeah, it's worth it. If you like Star Wars, go go take a look at this stuff. Yeah, the only downside of that was they had a character walk by in the background that just looked like a really funky Muppet. Yeah. <laughs> I was not I was not too happy about that that character. Yeah, that's why I can't pay attention to any of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the deal. Lower your expectations and that's all you gotta do. Yes. So. I gotta go into it as if it's the Matrix, not the Matrix Two. Security ha! It's been a while since we've actually done a security segment because it's been kind of quiet. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stuff has just been kind of repeats from the past. But this week seems to be a banner week for uh, security news. <laughs> well, I had joked that we basically just turned the security segment into this is the site who stole your passwords this week. <laughs> but uh, And guess what we're going to start with? Yeah. eBay. eBay <laughs> was hacked. <laughs> and I saw this morning that all 143 million records are now for sale. Uh, on eBay? That would be ironic. That would be great. Now, on Pastebin, somebody posted a link. It's like, send me 1.463 whatever Bitcoin to this this address and then send me the receipt and all this crap and I'll send you the link for the download. Right. Yeah. So, so go change your passwords if you use eBay. Yeah, I haven't gotten an email from eBay yet. So Nor have I, don't know. I, but uh, God, I don't even know if I still have an active account. I've never really been on it. Well, if you have an, an account, you should just yeah. go check it. Yep. So, um yeah, I've I've used them kind of recently, so I don't know how many millions of users they have, or if they're checking against the the list of stolen ones. Because hopefully eBay is the first person to go out and buy this list if they didn't <laughs> know exactly already what was out there. That would be smart of them. So I don't know. <laughs> Every week it's somebody new. I know it's it's going to be a constant thing. People, you gotta gotta start using one password, folks. Make it easier. Yeah, really. And uh, alias your email address so you don't use the actual email address. Anyway. So Snowden and the NSA and all that brouhaha back in the news big time this yes, week. Yes, it is. They're l- releasing more stuff, and there's there's a couple articles that I'm going to link to in the show notes. I'll just mention them briefly here because they are long articles, and it, you could you could spend all your time reading all this stuff and doing research on it. <laughs> and I just I just scan it now because just to get the gist of it. Now the first one was everyone should know just how much the government lied to defend the NSA. This goes back to some of the ACLU stuff with the um, the lawsuits that were going against FISA and and that was it was happening before and the government said one thing they're like oh no this is indefensible or whatever you can't prove this and the Snowden document said oh well actually you can over here <laughs> and you know that back and <laughs> forth next one that came out was data pirates of the Caribbean the NSA is recording every cell phone call in the Bahamas <laughs> I mean this is not surprising it's surprising that they're actually just limiting it to the Bahamas. Well, they're not. Okay. That's the that's the thing. <laughs> there are there are several countries that are on this list of people that they can get basically all the calls from. Mm-hmm. So they're getting full audio from the Bahamas, an unnamed 
country, which I'll talk about in a second. And they're getting metadata from Mexico, Kenya, and the Philippines. Right. Now, there was some – yeah, I don't care if they're doing – they're the NSA. They're supposed to be doing foreign intelligence. Yes. You know what? Go with God. Go take whatever you want. I don't care. Just stay out of us. Yeah. Stay out of our country. I agree. I mean the, the whole point is that uh, go do this everywhere else. In fact, I, I hope that unnamed country is the Cayman Islands and you're going to start to bust a bunch of tax dodgers. See, now that would make sense. Now, what happened after this came out, um, WikiLeaks jumped into the fray and said, hey, we're, why are you uh, censoring your, your stories? Mm-hmm. Them and I believe it was the Washington Post were, were holding back a country because they thought it would – they talked to the government and the government said, please don't release the name of this country because it's going to cause more violence right. and people will die. <laughs> and they said, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And drum roll, please. Yes, this morning they put out a press release from Julian Assange and uh, named the country, which was Afghanistan. Shocking. So – Look, if, if the NSA wasn't monitoring everything in Afghanistan – I would be I'd worried. I'd be pissed. Yeah. yeah. What, isn't that the whole point? That's why we're there. Yeah, really, Jesus. And now they think, oh, God, well, here's the thing. Most Afghanis don't have computers or internet. Yeah. I don't, unless they have goat net, they're probably not <laughs> going to hear about this story. So, yeah, I – fucking Assange. He's just – you know, he's got it out for us. So it's, it's one of those things. Yeah. I, I, I Tried to go back through Twitter today before we came on the air to find out what the backlash was from you know Applebaum and Greenwald and those guys, but I d- didn't quite get there yet. So uh, check it out for yourself. It's uh, it's just one of those things where this guy's just digging his own grave. He's never leaving that embassy. Oh, no, I hope no. I, I hope he likes uh, architecture because he's never getting out of there. <laughs> yeah, he's he's put himself in a in a place he can't get out of anymore. Well, he just keeps digging his hole deeper. Mm-hmm. You know that's the thing. It's just like go off the radar. Let people forget about you. But I guess there some um stories came out where they're still going after him so he now I guess he's like back on the back on the warpath since he figures hey they're still coming after me I'm not getting out of here might as well just you know let's yeah. burn the bridges burn the bridges completely go out in a blaze of glory Now there was a great series on Frontline the PBS channel here in the states mm-hmm. uh part 1 was last week it was a 2 hour segment and this week was uh the second part which was an hour long so 3 hours in total and it's called the United States of Secrets and it it tracks everything from basically nine uh, eleven mm-hmm. and then everything that's happened up until now. It's a great series. It's well done, and it's really cool to have a lot of the actual people that were involved in it. Because I read a lot of this stuff in one of James Bamford's books that I reviewed on the show before, and right. they actually have James Bamford in the Frontline series. Uh, you can get it online. I, I still think they're actually playing it on the front line on the PBS site. Yeah, that so looks you like can, they are. So I've you can, you can get it there. You can get it there, or I got mine in uh, in the mail from Sweden. <laughs> it's it's also available there. Although I hear Sweden is cracking down too. So who knows? They, we have to figure out where they're sending stuff from now. <laughs> Our friends in uh, Afghanistan. Oh, <laughs> wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> um, now something else we talked about. <sighs> where the old secret app and, and we just laughed we all laughed it, me you uh we had bonner on for a while on yeah. twitter getting in like you know twitter wars with we the, basically the guys got who it, started it yeah we got into fisticuffs with the secret guys <laughs> and they're like, oh, it's as safe as email <laughs> which is not safe at bitch. all <laughs> and so there's a great article in wired called uh, whistleblowers beware and it mm. just talks about how apps like whisper and secret if if these guys get a court order or a subpoena 
you're done. They will find you. They have enough data to find you. Yeah, outside so. of the fact that they can probably get hacked relatively easy and everything that you put out there will be connected directly to you and could be posted online anywhere, anytime by anyone. Idiots. Yeah, a lot of a, a lot <laughs> of the stuff is encrypted, so you have to figure out who they are from inference, but mm. it's doable. It's, it's totally it's doable. Totally doable, yeah. Yeah. Anybody with, you know, just a the probably time a high and interest. <laughs> a time time interest in a high school diploma could probably figure it out. Yeah. So don't don't be smart, guys. Just and Secret just came out on Android this week, so a whole new raft of people are gonna be on there ruining their lives. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Yeah, let them. The Guardian also had a really good article this week. Uh, it's it's fairly short, but it's uh, from the guy who started Lava Bit, and mm-hmm. he finally tells a lot of his story on what happened and why he had to shut down. Right. It's it's a short read, but it it's it's chilling on how they screwed this guy around. Yeah, and it's yeah. really scary. If the government decides they don't want you to do something, you are not going to be doing it. Yeah. End so. of story. No matter what. <laughs> and what, I mean, I still give this guy props for sticking by his morals and just shutting his, you know, his ten year company down down the drain just yeah. because because he didn't want to deal. And yeah, it's agree. chilling. Yeah, very very chilling. So, and this week, Brian Williams is actually going to do an hour long interview with Snowden. What do you think about that? Because I don't, I just don't think it's going to be that interesting. I think it's going to be a gloss piece. We'll find out. I'm yeah. going to watch it for yeah. sure. Oh, I'm definitely going to watch it. It'll be interesting. I'm yeah, way we'll more interested in that than Hillary Clinton. <laughs> yeah, who cares about Hillary? Um, so I think it should be interesting. It's definitely going to be worth watching. If there's going to be anything new in it, I totally doubt because, you know, it'll get scrubbed by the censors <laughs> just from the network alone, you know? Yeah. Uh, what are you going to do? <laughs> so it'll be a fun watch. We'll talk about it next week. Definitely. And this this one came in right before we went to, went to air. Dan Carlin posted a link to a um, a story on Fox New, uh, in New York. Fox a news story from Fox in New York mm-hmm. about police using cell phone spying equipment. Yep. Now this is, this isn't new news as far as you know the device and stuff. It's called a Stingray, mm-hmm. and they're the interesting part is they're using uh, Homeland Security grants to pay for this stuff, like anti terrorism grants. Yeah. <laughs> and just the way that they're, they're sh- like shutting up about how they're using it, and you know the towns are like saying this is like a huge privacy concern here. And yeah, yeah. thing is the other the other state that uses these a lot is California, of course. <laughs> now, the other interesting thing about this happening in California is I was dealing with some people in California a couple years ago, or about a year and a half ago, mm. where we had the police come out because it was like a stalking case with our neighbor and. Um, this guy was sitting across the street and some weird things were happening with the cell phones in the neighborhood there and like people talking back and forth and the cop basically said, yeah, the bad guys can, can, uh, impersonate cell towers, listen to your calls and do all the shit. They've got all the tech that the cops have. Yeah. So not only law enforcement can get these, but the criminals can. And I I researched this a while ago and you can buy one of these for like two, three grand from, uh, another country and have them shipped in Mm -hmm. completely felony. Oh yeah. Possess this stuff. You can't even have it. Yeah. So uh, if you're thinking about going out and buying one, just be careful, kids. But on the plus side, if you have it, you know they're coming. That's that's the problem. <laughs> that's a lot of it. Yeah. You can tell when people call the police, and that's what happened. They knew when the cops were called. Yeah. So they skedaddled as soon as that happened. And it's it's interesting. But yeah, stay safe, kids. Get a get a landline. It's the library. Finally finished the three-volume origin mystery 
by A.G. Riedel. Uh, the last one was called The Atlantis World. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound good. <laughs> yeah, it started off great. Uh, the first book was kind of an interesting, high-tech, near-future medical mystery that had a bit of sci-fi to it because there may or may not have been an alien spaceship that's been buried under the Earth for gazillions of years that's been guiding human history and, and the genome and how we've grown <laughs> up and blah, 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 blah. And I, I saw that X-Files episode. Yeah. Well, that's, that's all – that's again, that's like boner porn for me. That's just geek boner. <laughs> it's awesome stuff. And I, I really enjoyed the first one, as I mentioned. The second one got a little yeah. – and uh, well, the third one, it just basically turned into Star Wars. Uh, no, all of a sudden, it was aliens battling each other, and and the poor professor human and his very sexy younger sidekick get wrapped <laughs> up in it. And of course, they find love, but one of them almost dies, and uh, eventually, everything works out pretty well for the humans somehow. So, uh, <laughs> I get why he got there because he wanted to tell a bigger picture of not just human genetics, but the stuff of which life is made. But it was disappointing, and it was pretty jarring to go from what was essentially pretty intimate stories in the first two books to this, you know, galactic battle. Um, my new rating system is basically if these were physical books, would I keep them or toss them out? I would toss these. You can use them as toilet paper in a, in a pinch. True. But actually I did get these on my iPad, so that would be pretty gross. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Well, Moments before we started recording, I finished Rogue Code by uh, Mark Racinovich. Mm-hmm. Now, I've, I've reviewed his other two books here before, uh, Zero Day and Trojan Horse. Yeah. Now, Mark Racinovich, is, he's a technical writer. He wrote the Windows Internal series, uh, Windows Sysinternals Administrator's Reference, and other nerdy Windows books. Sounds like so, perfect guy to write fiction. He's amazingly good. <laughs> Amazingly good. Um, oh, there's another one. I missed a short story. Damn, I got to get that one. Um, so I like his books. They're, they're kind of techno espionage spy thrillery type of things. Mm-hmm. The tech is spot on. Totally spot on. That's the fun part about it. Okay. And he writes it in a way that's not too nerdy oh, that's from, the, from the tech side. I mean these are completely accessible to anybody. Mm-hmm. And if you read them, then you might actually learn a few things, which is cool. Um, and he's getting better. He's definitely getting better. Like, you know, the other ones were like a B minus, I say. This is an A minus, definitely. Oh. He's moving up the ladder. Um, it's it's about uh, high frequency trading and stuff like that this time. Right. Really well done. I, I totally dug this book. So I recommend if you if you want a good series, start with Zero Day, then go to Trojan Horse, and then Rogue Code. Good stuff. Excellent. <clears throat> Pardon me, the tea was coming back to haunt me there. <laughs> now, I'm definitely going to have to actually check that out because I really enjoyed the uh, Suarez books that you recommended, and this is similar veins. So, yeah, this is Suarez without the science fiction. Great. Okay, that's 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 basically what it is. It's very very much in the same line. And if you actually go to Amazon, they will recommend the Suarez books if you're buying these. Right. Now the next book I got was a uh, an out of the blue. Uh, emailer to us who, who hounded us for a couple days or a couple couple weeks actually to check out their new book called Spartan Up, a take no prisoners guide to overcoming obstacles and achieving peak performance in life mm-hmm. by Joe DeSena. He's the guy that runs uh, this obstacle course race called the Spartan Race. Right. I've heard of that. Um, I got a I got like a synopsis from it before and I'm like, hey, you know what? When you get the book, send me a copy. I'm not going to review it without reading the book. Mm-hmm. Because that's just how we how we roll here. Yeah. Now that said, I haven't read the whole book yet. 
I'm halfway through it, uh, but it's it's great. It's it's one of those books about you know overcoming adversity, like you know mental toughness and stuff like that. Could could this book be written in a series of inspirational posters? Uh, not yet. No, okay. I don't think so. No, it's it's full of like really good stories, and I like this guy's story. It's uh, so far so good. I'll have a full write up next time, but I'm going to put the links in this week so you can check it out. It's uh, yeah, so far I'm really digging it. It's yeah, I read it in the morning before I get out of bed because it's like I need something to wake up to, and it's it's kind of you know gets me going in the morning. It's fairly inspirational so far. Okay, oh well, that's a little surprising. Yeah, it really is. I, I expected to just to be you know. Whatever that one I got last time with the bro science and all that crap. This seems to be <laughs> fairly more straightforward, like, you know, be tough and what it takes to be tough and how, you know, once you get through an ordeal and you look back on the little things in life, how they just don't seem to mean as much, you know, when you uh, yeah. when you go through that stuff. And I love those stories. That's so true. I mean, once you get past any kind of massive adversity, give it give it a little time and it's just like, eh, it wasn't that yeah. bad. Yeah. That and the little things just, you know, roll off you. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, also, uh, the Freakonomics guys are back, and I loved Freakonomics when it came out. That was one of my favorite books for a long time. Uh, they're back with a new one called Think Like a Freak, uh, which kind of veers away from economics and uh, kind of hones in more on how our brains work. I have yeah. not read it yet, but it is in my queue. I have read it. Or okay. I listened to it. I actually right, right, right. listened to it. I got it on Audible, mm-hmm. so I could listen to it when I'm doing my physical therapy. I liked it. I liked it a lot. The... I got away from the Freakonomics stuff because I heard after the book came out, there were a lot of detractors after the first book. And the only thing that I really heard was that the broken window theory was basically bullshit. Right. It had been proven false. And that was a major tenet of the, one of their stories in the first book. Mm-hmm. So I, I discounted the whole thing. And maybe I shouldn't have. I should have taken another look at it because their podcast is apparently super famous. It's, yeah. like, it's like the number two podcast after Adam Carolla. Yeah, it's something I've been meaning to listen to. I think you should go back and give Freakonomics a read because uh, one tenant of it was completely disproven. But there's just a lot of – when you have a good thinker, even if they're presenting a hypothesis that isn't correct, it's at least well thought out. And they thought everything out. They give you pros and cons. They give you the potential downfalls of the various things that they discussed in, the, in Freakonomics, um, hoping the new one is a bit like that as well because they, just, they, they have a really well-researched and well-thought-out take on things. Yeah, just because something is well-researched and well-told doesn't mean it's correct. Exactly. <laughs> you know? So it, it, you take it with a grain of salt. Did you read Super Freakonomics, their, their follow-up? No, I didn't. Okay. Yeah. So you didn't like it that much. Um, it's actually, it's, it's not even so much a case of that as the weird thing that as I'm actually pulling, because we're talking, we're in the, at the library section right now, I've actually finally unpacked all my, my books out of boxes and I have them stacked up against the wall right now. I completely forget about authors for periods of time. And I I just don't even realize that they have new books and they put out things. I I miss it. So I miss that. So I'm going to have to go back and get it, but I think I'm going to do think like a freak first. Yeah, it's a good read. Now, caveat, do not get the audible version. I won't anyways. I uh, I had to give them a one star for the content on this thing because it, it's the same fucking bait and switch as that last book I read, the Ryan Holiday book last week. At the end of this book, there's an hour and 40 minutes of their podcast tacked onto the end All to right. pump up, to pump it up, to make it look like it's a longer book so you, you'll you'll be more readily available or readily uh, – happy to click buy on on audible two thoughts on this one jason uh one yeah it's completely bullshit that they don't actually say that 
They should. That should be in the listing saying exclusive extra bonus content, one hour podcast, blah, 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 blah. That is how that should be listed and marketed. And it is a bit of a bait and switch when they don't do that. Secondly, get fucking used to it because this is now the special content of the book world. It's the same. Well, it's the same thing as like if you buy through iTunes the album, you'll get this special video that nobody else gets. It's it's an added on seller to increase sales, but they do need to tell you. I'm fine with it if they say it up front. Yeah, and I'm not the only person. There are a lot of people in the comments on Audible who are pissed off. Yeah, well, somebody in the publishing community decided this is the way to go, and it's it's a bit stupid. Listen it's going to bite them. It's going to bite them because everybody that's complaining about it is giving it a one star review, even yeah. though they like the book because yep. it, it's bullshit that they're doing it. Yeah. So hopefully, Audible will step up and say, "Hey guys, you can't do that." <laughs> you know. There is a there is a really good podcast on uh, Tim Ferriss's show this week with Stephen Dubner, the co-author of Freakonomics. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed that podcast because he talks a lot about the methodology of how they wrote the books. Right. So you'd, you'd actually like this a lot. Yeah, I'm going to have to listen to that. There's also in the show notes, I've dropped in a link from uh, an article on Salon where they interviewed him, which I, I really enjoyed reading and made me want to go uh, get the book immediately. So this is actually how I found, found out about the book was this article. So it's, uh, he's, again, good thinkers. You, can, you just can't go wrong. Yeah, you, you'll definitely like this book. I do recommend it, but get the print version. Cool. So the last book I think I oh maybe not the last yeah my last book for the week <laughs> thank God <laughs> I had a really really uh, heavy reading week this I week I know how do you have the fucking time man physical therapy uh, I'm, I, I got to walk every day because of my leg and uh, I have to walk a lot unfortunately so well actually fortunately it's been great here yeah. um, this one's called a higher call an incredible true story of combat and chivalry in the war torn skies of World War II <laughs> it's the story of a German ace who comes across a bomber. That's like basically crippled and can barely, you know, barely fly. Mm-hmm. And he like escorts them out of the country. And which, which is basically a firing squad offense. Yeah. So it's, it's a fantastic story about the German ace, like his whole backstory, his whole career, the, the bomber crew, mm-hmm. right? mostly about the, the pilot, Charlie, his name's Charlie Brown, which is funny. <laughs> that's funny. And their whole story. And they both made it through the war. So they, they ended up meeting, I guess, in 1990. They, they, the story of like how they came together and, and met is really cool, and it's been optioned for a movie, which I hope they make. This would make a great movie. Please but not if you, Tom Hanks. Just not Tom Hanks. I love Tom Hanks. <laughs> He's a little old now, though, to be a you know a a twenty year old because the guy in the movie was tw- or the guy in the book was twenty years old. Charlie right. Brown was twenty when he flew the bomber. <laughs> so he lied to everybody and told him he was twenty five, so, so they would trust him more. <laughs> And it was uh, – it's a great book. I love World War II stuff, so I'm a, I'm a total nerd for that. And this was just – the telling was great. And the, um, uh, the reader, Robinson Dean, is amazing. He reads a ton of – wait. No, no, no. I don't think it was Robinson Dean. Anyway, it was a great, great uh, – Great read. Uh, read, yes, or listen as it were. Great listen, yeah. Well, as much as you love World War II stuff, I am in love with dystopian fiction. Is probably my favorite category of things in the world. I just love books about how the world is falling apart and it's a complete piece of crap and we can't fix anything and it's all shit. I love it, love it, love it, can't get enough of it. And uh, Wired just put out a, a short article, which I thought was going to be a listicle, but I was sadly disappointed it isn't. The 10 most important dystopian <laughs> wait, books wait, and films you're of all sad? time. Well, I kind of wanted them listed out in order so I could argue about it, but they just kind of they provi- they provided a list of extremely good um, films and books that are, are just straight up dystopia, uh, including even like you know the Hunger Games, which I actually really enjoyed reading because it is so dystopian. It's fantastic. Uh, there's a few things in here I've never read, but um, 
if you like uh, well thought out, uh, very depressing science fiction, <laughs> this is a good list of books. Yes, books and movies. And movies, yes. And uh, the interesting thing, they have uh, William Gibson's The Sprawl Trilogy in there. Yeah. And uh, Neuromancer, yes, I can see. Mona Lisa Overdrive in Count Zero, no, not so much. Those weren't weren't that good. Yeah, I mean, some arguments can be made here. And uh, as I was talking about, about uh, just authors that I forget have other books, Margaret Atwood's Oryx and Crake, I read maybe 10 or 15 years ago, whenever it first came out, and I absolutely loved it. I had no idea it was a trilogy, and there's two books after it, so guess what's next up for me? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so a little note on the audiobook thing. I, I broke my rule with the Freakonomics thing, and was ba- basically it's a nonfiction audiobook, and I swore to myself that I would never get those again just because you can't retain as much. Yeah. You know, Audiobooks are great for fiction because you get into the story, and it's more fun. But trying to get facts and that kind of crap out of an audiobook just never sticks. No. So – um, I so yeah, I broke my rule there, and I was right. Robinson Dean did uh, narrate a higher call. Okay, he also did the version of Neuromancer, which I just bought because of the, this list that you sent. I'm like, I, I'll give Neuromancer another try, and went and checked on Audible, and they have a new version read by him. And I hope he does the other ones. He did the latest trilogy from William Gibson as well, the Pattern Recognition trilogy or the Big End trilogy, right? And it was fantastic. He's my new go-to guy. It used to be Grover Gardner because he did a lot of historical stuff. But yeah, this Robinson Dean dude knows, knows how to do it. He's good. Welcome to this week in shit we put on our computers. Last week I talked about uh, – I think I talked offline. I don't think we talked about it on the show. A new app called Blinkist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, Cliff Notes for productivity, self-helpy, you know, nerdy books like that. Right. So I got the app and wanted to check it out, and I I went ahead and just right out of the gate I bought the three month subscription. So <laughs> it's ten bucks, you know, three bucks a month for I think they have like sixty some odd books that they've done so far. Right. And I tested it at first. I, I grabbed um, uh, what was it? Uh, unfra- the that unfragile one from Nicholas Taleb. Oh yeah, okay. Anti fragile. Right. And so I I matched that up with what I read in the book. Spot on. It was perfect. They they took out all the bullshit. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> yeah, and, I might have to check this out because uh, I, I do not have the time to burn through so many books, and there's so many things that I'd love to just get an overview on. Well, one of them that I remember seeing in there is Freakonomics. So I'll go back and grab that one. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, the summaries are really good. They just get they just distill it. You do miss the stories mm-hmm. about you know what got them to that point, but if you just want the the skinny on a book without having to read 300 pages. It's great, and they are perfect length for the crapper. Well, and I also so. – uh, yeah, exactly. I find them helpful for, for me to decide which books I actually want to get, particularly in the nonfiction realm. Fiction is, is a different beast, but for nonfiction, being able to read an overview, then I'll go, yeah, I'm totally into this. I need to go get the full book or uh, this is good enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly because there are a couple books that I've read and they're like the Pomodoro uh, effect where you – you chunk all your, your work into 25-minute chunks with a tomato timer or something. Yeah. I'm really glad I didn't spend you know 300 pages on that crap. Um, but it, yeah, it's a good overview of the books. And like I said, you know, 10, 15-minute reads, some up to 20 minutes. So if you grab some Metamucil and just hit the crapper, <laughs> you can be a super genius in a month if you just get through them all and then you can cancel your subscription. All right. Nice. I, so far, so far, I like it. I okay. really do. I'm, I'm happy with it. All my, right. my, I'm happy with my purchase. Well, speaking of being super genius and crap, 
<laughs> uh, Lumosity. I, I joined Lumosity uh, a year ago, around my birthday. So um, it's my subscription has finally come to an end. Uh, I believe it was something like seventy some odd bucks for the year. Yeah, not um, cheap. Not cheap at all. Definitely not cheap. Uh, I totally forgot that they have auto renew, of course, because all crap sites do. Uh, but luckily, remembered just in time before uh, before I resubscribed. So I switched it off. Um, a year of doing doing. Lumosity has not made any impact on my life whatsoever. Their their neuroscience and their you know proven track record that's all a load of crap. Is it fun? Yeah. Does it put some structure on your day? Yeah. Does it make your brain work in ways that maybe it doesn't sometimes? Yeah. Does it actually do anything? No. Is it worth the cost? No. Am I happy about their auto renew policy? No. And the thing I'm most upset about. We talked about this a couple times. It's the continued tradition of screwing over your loyal customers in chasing the dollar. Because as soon as I had switched off my auto renew, I started getting emails offering me sudden discounts for another year subscription and not insubstantial discounts, very substantial discounts, which if I just would have left their auto renew on, I would not have gotten and I would have paid full price for another year. Way to treat your loyal customers, assholes. Luckily, you trained my brain well enough not to be a moron. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yep. Yeah. Do you, do you remember the uh, the Netflix deal when they used to actually send discs to everybody and they didn't have streaming? Do you remember? Do you, yeah. Did you hear that story? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just for the listeners, if you were a loyal Netflix customer, mm-hmm. after three months, you wouldn't get priority treatment for the discs that you ordered. If it was like a popular disc, they would actually put you down the queue because they wanted the new user onboarding experience to be better. Exactly. So – the more that you paid them and the longer you were a loyal customer, the longer you had to wait and the more you got screwed. <laughs> yeah, that's the way of the world now. And it really it really makes me a grumpy old geek because I think it's complete and utter bullshit. Anyways, uh, I have an app and I even like it. Um, whoa, what? And so I what? Yeah, I, I know this is the complete wrong podcast for it and not our target market. But uh, – uh, Friend of the show, Mike Walter, uh, who I often go and watch uh, sporting events with down at the bar, told me I need to put ESPN Sports Center on my iPhone, especially with the World Cup coming up. It's an elegant, easy, quick app. Um, you can put in your favorite teams. So I've got the Dodgers in there, and I've got my World Cup teams that I support. Um, you click on favorites, boom, you see the upcoming games. You see real-time results while they're playing. Um, it's absolutely fantastic for a casual sports fan like me. It's super easy. I get all the information I need on one screen without having to dig deeper. And if you're crazy about sports, you can totally go down the rabbit hole because then they have the stats and fixtures and all the news stories about the teams that you follow and blah, 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 blah. And you can spend hours on it if you really super get into sports. But this is going to be perfect for the World Cup because I'll be able to track all the games that are going on in real time. How much does it cost? Free. Free, completely free. They have paid upgrades to be able to do things like actually watch ESPN channels and and get other kind of crap. But uh, I'm using the completely free version, and it's more than enough for me. Nice. Does it work on iPad as well? It does. It, just, uh... it does indeed. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's a great little app. Oh, so. it works. It's not. It's not. It's not a plus app though. No, it will. It'll work. It just. It's not. It's yeah. not formatted for iPad. Okay. Yeah, but you, you know, it's it's basically just scores. So. 
Yeah, I think I might actually get that for World Cup. It, it is great. Yeah, it's just you, you have to give them your email to be able to do the favorites, but that's no big deal. Um, and then, yeah, I've just got I've got like you know the LA Dodgers are in there, I've, the Galaxy, Bayern Munich, Germany, United States, and it's just all on one screen. I can see when the next game is coming. If and if a game is in progress, it drops the score right in there. Cool. Do they give you uh, alerts like when the game's starting? You can set yourself up for that. I haven't. Okay. Yeah. Because that's what I would need. Because I don't follow that part. Yeah. You can totally <laughs> do that, and it'll it'll ping you when the game is about to start. Cool. I'll check it. I, I will actually check that out because <laughs> I am a, a World Cup fan. Yeah. So my last one is for the the, the programmers and the nerds. So I'll try and make this one quick because <laughs> not not everybody is going to be into this one, especially if you're not a PHP programmer. So there's a little app that I got years and years and years ago called the PHP Function Index. It's from Artist Software. And he's apparently uh, has joined another team part, part-time and is working on Xscope, that, mm-hmm. uh, that designerly app that I talked about probably in episode five that's uh, a really good utility for doing web design on screen. Well, this one is just a wrapper for the PHP HTML manual files that you can just download from the php.net site. Right. It gives you a super fast way to search for a function and get the actual manual page on it oh, instead great. of like – Having like the built-in – like Coda has built-in books and stuff that kind of work sometimes but not really. Mm-hmm. This is just – it's a utility. It's a separate app. But if you couple it with Quicksilver, you could just pop over to it super fast from whatever IDE you're working on. I'm in Sublime Text nowadays and uh, loving that. But this is – I mean you can use it for free as like an uh, – uh, what a you know an amateur or whatever yeah. or academic use or hobbyist <laughs> academic and hobbyist I paid for it because it was only like ten bucks or fifteen bucks just to you know support the guy because it has saved me so much time so if you're a PHP programmer and you don't have this in your arsenal just go grab it honestly you have to manually update the the manual files right. it takes like it takes like five minutes it's, there's a link in the preferences you just throw them in a directory point the app at the directory and boom super fast there's like 11 or 12,000 files in that <laughs> PHP manual. I'm, yeah. I'm not joking. When you unzip it, there's like over 10,000 files in that directory. This thing indexes them lightning fast and boom, Bob's your uncle. Definitely get it. Here, candy, 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 candy. So mentioning my prolific reading habits this week on at the library, I've had a chance to check out some new podcasts, some, <laughs> some of which aren't new, but, uh, there's uh, they're actually from NPR who I generally don't go for. Like this could be this, a bit dry. This American Life just does not oh, you know I've get never, me wet at all. I've never liked that. I don't so, know. So yeah, I don't know. I'm just I, I'm not vanilla enough for that. <laughs> um, no offense to our vanilla listeners. Uh, so the first one I found is the Intelligence Squared debates. Mm-hmm. These are awesome. They get you know they come up with a premise and they get two people on either side of the debate. And they debate. <laughs> and it's really good. The first two I listened to was uh, Millennials Don't Stand a Chance mm-hmm. and Is Death Final? They were, they were great. I loved it. And they're done in front of a live audience. So at the beginning of the debate, they, they take a poll in the audience. And then at the end of the debate, they take another poll to see who won, who, who changed, the mo- changed the most minds. Right. So – yeah. Apparently, yeah. I was gonna, uh, no, 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 no spoilers. Never mind. I, won't, I was going to give a spoiler, but I won't. <laughs> no, no spoilers. Uh, I haven't listened to any of these yet, but I just scanned down the list of topics and uh, some of the people that are involved. This looks absolutely fantastic. I bookmarked it. Um, do they are they on iTunes as well as a podcast, or do you know? Well, the, well, 
What do you mean? I mean, you, you can get them on iTunes as a podcast. Okay, that's what I meant. Perfect. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. From the link. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just I posted the link to the NPR site. Yeah, because I I didn't do the I didn't take a look yet, so I was just looking at the site, which is uh, brilliantly laid out. Um, this is this looks fantastic. So I'm going to be subscribing to this and uh, cherry picking the topics that I like, of course. But that's uh, that's what the internet's good for. Exactly. And the people they have on are like just top tier people. It's not like, you know, they wouldn't have you or I on for anything. <laughs> they have people that actually know what they're talking about. Just bastards. <laughs> yep. And the next one is actually probably that most people have already heard of. It's uh, Planet Money on NPR. I thought it was going to be about, you know, hedge fund investing and crap like that. Yeah. It's not at all. They're just, they're great stories about money. And I loved it. I love, I've listened to like three episodes so far. I love it. I'm just in. I recommend <laughs> it because it's mostly stories. It's not, you know, uh, like the one was, uh, they couldn't even give away, like, is, or what's a penny worth type of thing. Right. Yeah. And, you know, they went around and left pennies on the ground and people wouldn't pick them up. They tried to buy something in, in Manhattan for a penny <laughs> and <laughs> the, the, you can't find anything for a penny anymore. So, you know, what yeah. are pennies worth? It, it's really fun. They're fun short. It, that's a nice thing about it. They're like 20 minutes long. Yeah. So. Yeah. That, those look really cool, too. And a quick story on the penny. Uh, Canada got rid of it and the country didn't collapse. In fact, it's all a lot easier there now. Let's get rid of the stupid penny already. It costs more to make them than they're worth. Yep. Anyways, <laughs> so I have a TED Talk. Uh, I know that they are technically videos, but uh, as anybody who actually watches TED Talks, unless there's a lot of graphs going on or something like that, basically you can just hit play on these and walk around and do whatever you want. So it's it's ear candy to me, particularly this one because it's not all that interesting to watch, uh, but it is fantastic. It's old. This is from 2002, and somehow I never saw this one. Uh, Dan Dennett, Dangerous Memes. Uh, Dan Dennett is a philosopher, and he talks a lot uh, and makes a really good case for the concept of the meme, which we all know, you know, 10 years on from this talk has taken over the entire internet and uh, argues that they're actually concepts that are literally alive. Uh, super interesting talk. I loved it. It was really good. And memes technically have been around since uh, 1976, I believe, yeah. uh, with Richard Dawkins' book, The Selfish Gene. Yeah. And that's where it really came up. But this was – I'd never seen this talk. I, I, you know what? I'd take it back. I had seen this talk, but I hadn't seen it probably in five or six years. Mm -hmm. I, I had I had a period in my life where I went through and watched every TED talk. I was I was unemployed, yes, and and it was winter and it was in Chicago, so you couldn't leave the house. So what better thing to do than watch a bunch of pretentious people tell you stuff that you don't know? <laughs> that is ninety nine percent of TED talks, in my opinion. But uh, Dan Dennett is not uh, pretentious at all. This was a great one, and I think it. Uh, even though it's ten years old, he probably would have had a lot more stories and examples. But it has not aged. It, it's perfect. This is evergreen. It is totally evergreen content. I watched it over breakfast this morning, and it was fascinating. I, it's a must-watch. It'll take, take you 15 minutes. You'll come out of it a little smarter and yeah. maybe a little, little bit more pretentious. Yeah, and I've actually got to look up and see if he's, uh, he's got a book out called Intuition Pumps and Other Tools for Thinking, and that was from probably 2002. So I'm sure he's got something more recent, and that will be on our uh, at the library segment soon because uh, I loved him. I thought he was super interesting, and I want to read a book. Yeah, I definitely want to read some of this guy's stuff. I love love tools on thinking. Mm -hmm. So, um, something that's kind of like TED Talks is uh, the MIT Media Lab has a conversation series now, which I didn't know about. Which is strange since my buddy's the head of the MIT Media Lab. <laughs> um, they're they've got some really cool people on there. I, I wish I'd have seen it before because they had Jaron Lanier or Lanier on there. Yeah. Um, uh, Daniel Suarez. This week is Rob Pardo from Blizzard, one of the main guys behind uh, World of Warcraft. And some other – there's just a bunch of people. But Joey is like the – oh, Lawrence Lessig, Reed Hoffman. Yeah, J.J. Abrams. Tim Arrella, J. J. Abrams. Yeah. yeah. 
so the conversations with Joey, and Joey's a fantastic guy. He's so smart. And I check them out. The only really crappy part about it is their player is super <laughs> shitty. Oh, From the so. MIT Media Lab, a crappy player. Well, here's the deal. They probably got other things to do. <laughs> True. Now, another one that came out this week is a uh, previous guest of the show, Joey Robier, and former uh, Revision 3 veteran, uh, has his own new show out called 3D Straight Up. It's all about 3D printing. <laughs> so the first episode, basically, he walks around Maker Fair interviewing everybody that has anything to do with 3D printing. Mm-hmm. I had no idea how many people were making 3D printers nowadays. Oh, it's yeah. ridiculous. It's an hour of him walking around finding people with 3D printers, and they're everywhere. It's it's a crazy market that I had no idea about. And I still don't understand it because really, what are you printing? Check it out. It, it, you will find out. It's, fa- it's fascinating. I'll definitely have to take a look. I, I, if I do remember correctly, our, our particular uh, podcast uh, with that Joey joined us on went a little blue. So. Oh, it went extremely blue. <laughs> yeah. Don't, uh, if you're listening to this and thinking, oh, I'm going to go back and listen to that one to get some really interesting information about 3D printing. We didn't talk don't. about 3D printing. <laughs> no. We got, we, we got way too hammered and just <laughs> talked. We had dick jokes all the whole time. It was a lot of dick jokes. It. So, yeah. Anyways. So, yeah, that was not our finest hour, but it was fun to, it was fun to record. Yes, it was. So this next one is uh, from the Ask a Ninja guys. I talked about Ask a Ninja last week, mm-hmm. that they're coming back. Well, they've also got a new show out called Poorly Explained. Nice. And if you want to see what the ninja looks like without the ninja suit, <laughs> you can go watch Poorly Explained. It's, uh, you know, uh, Kent Nichols and Doug Sarine. And it's these, these short things. The first one is on Bitcoin. And... Everybody I've showed it to is just it just cracks up. It's it's like a minute and a half. I can't wait for more of these. They're funny as hell. <laughs> so, <laughs> did you watch the the Bitcoin one yet? Yeah, I did. I was I was dying laughing. It's it was so actually good. and still it was like probably one of the better expl- explanations that I've ever heard of it. <laughs> That's the thing. These guys are really good at it because their net neutrality ask a ninja mm-hmm. was one of the best ones that described net neutrality. Well, it's very know? it's very daily show. It it actually does a better job of explaining the news with humor than watching an actual news broadcast. Yeah, it's not dry. You know, it's it laces everything <laughs> with very smart humor. So I'm I'm super happy these guys are doing this. So best of luck to them. And in the big ear candy news this week is uh, Amazon Prime snags the HBO back catalog. Can you yeah. believe it? Um, it was only a matter of time. Somebody was going to get it. I'm surprised. Yep. Uh, yeah, they, they definitely outbid Netflix, and that's a major coup for Amazon and a, a major reason for me to keep Amazon Prime. <laughs> not for me because I'm not, I've, I've watched everything already. The only thing that's in that catalog that I would consider going back and watching is Generation Kill because it was so good. Right. I tried to watch the Pacific when it first came on, so maybe I'll try that. But oh, well, Band of Brothers too. I just, I've got all the DVDs for that, so I can just throw it on whenever I want. But it's nice to have it handy if I just want to throw on an episode or two because I love that series so much. I think that is the best thing that HBO's ever done. Really? Band of Brothers. Uh, I, I've loved it. It was fantastic. I mean, it was a great miniseries. Uh, I've toyed with the idea of going back and rewatching The Sopranos, but I really wonder how well that's aged. Yeah, you know what? I, I'm happy with it where it's at because mm-hmm. I, I don't even think I'm over the ending yet. Uh, so. <laughs> it's your Battlestar Galactica. It really is. I just it's so terrible, and I can't I can't envision going and watching The Wire again. You know, right. I mean that was fantastic, but it's it it doesn't have the staying power for me to go watch it again. So I don't right. know. I mean, for people who haven't seen it, great. You know, there are people born who have not seen it yet, so they have, they have audiences. And uh, speaking of game or speaking of HBO, there is a 
quick little video that popped up that uh, I was actually going to have in another segment, but it works here. Uh, this is six minutes of geekery, the science of Game of Thrones. Uh, link is on our show notes. It's a perfect example of the internet. It's it's nitpicking fiction as only geeks can. Planet Hodor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I watched it and I was, you know, I was like, yep, this is a bunch of nerds talking about nerdy shit. <laughs> I, I like it because, you know, anytime that they try to bring real world into these fantasy worlds and, and then come up with these crazy explanations, it's it's funny. Uh, the They did a good job producing it. It's it's funny. It's it's worth the five minutes if you're a Game of Thrones fan. Yeah, it's actually seven minutes, but it's worth oh, it. It's, it's, Sorry. Yeah. So, yeah. Hodor. Hodor. Yo, seriously? I seem to be really attracted to time fuckery in this Are You Shitting Me segment, uh, and I found another one. I, I don't know what it is about it. It's just I love this stuff. I love the idea of of not really having a concept of human existence and, and real time. So here we go. Mammoths went extinct 1,000 years after the Egyptians finished building the Great Pyramid. That's crazy. Yeah. I thought it would be like they'd gone to like, you know, 10,000 years before. Exactly. You, you just think that these things are so separated in time, but they really aren't. It's absolutely fantastic. We have a nice link to io9.com, which has the proof and the math and the science behind it. io9.com is also actually a fantastic site if you're a geek like us. Uh, basically, we usually think of woolly mammoths as purely Ice Age creatures. While most did indeed die out about 10,000 years ago, there was one tiny population that endured on an isolated island until 1650. BC, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, it is. This is a great read too. Mm-hmm. I was I was fascinated by this one. Yeah, and and to IO nine, yes, they are great, but they have um, would you say high velocity of posting, which is why I, I don't well, check them out. And they were in my feed for so long, and if you skip it for like ten minutes, there's a hundred articles that you missed. So yeah, that's the only problem. I mean, that's that's journalism on the internet right now, though, isn't it? Right, they just got to keep pushing things to get clicks. It's it's unfortunate. Yeah, and there is good stuff on there, but I just end up missing it because I just don't have the time. I'd, I'd rather they do better posts and fewer than mm-hmm. more and just you know thinly you know <laughs> thinly researched things. But this was a really good one. I'm glad you found this one. Yeah, thanks. Closing shout outs. Let's give a shout out to Morrissey who turned 55 this week. Talk about time fuckery. Who would have thought? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, 55 years old, well done. A new album out. Haven't listened to it yet, uh, but uh, did spend a good chunk of the day listening to Old Morrissey yesterday in honor of his birthday. And uh, I know everybody thinks he's a big mope, and he is, but he's an awesomely talented mope. <laughs> he's very mopey. Yes. I bet he's moping today because it's his birthday. Yes. Oh, I'm so old. <laughs> uh, speaking of new albums, though, the Pixies have a new album out. First, uh, First studio album in a long time. And first without Kim Deal. It's really good. I liked it. Is it really? I haven't listened yeah. to that either. That's that's actually on my list for once we finish the podcast. I was going to listen to that. And I found it in a very surprising way. Spotify spammed me. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't have a Spotify account anymore. What the hell? Turns out I did. So, <laughs> And I had to go to their site. I couldn't do a one-click unsubscribe. They make you go to the site. I had to reset my password, go in, find the preferences, turn it off. And while I was doing that, I saw an ad for the new Pixies album. So I clicked it and listened to it. I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, See, since I'm here. <laughs> it, it worked. It actually it did. Well, I'm not going to get any more spam from them, but uh, it was uh, it was a pleasant surprise. And uh, as a you know long long term Pixie, Pixies fan, it mm. was uh, surprisingly good. Really, okay. it's a, it's a little different. It, the first song is going to throw you for a loop, but uh, the rest of the album, I thought it was solid. I've listened to it like three or four times now, and it sticks. Excellent. I will so give it a listen. Yeah, if you're a Pixies fan, check them out. 
on Spotify. <laughs> it's, it's free now. Yes, and you um, are apparently one of the 40 million people. You just didn't know it. Yep, I am. Uh, so just a quick quick uh, follow-up on the results of my Medium posting experiment. That I posted a uh, post on my blog and then I posted the same thing on the Medium. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, my blog got about two or 300 uh, uniques on that post. Uh, Medium, I got 16. So there you go. <laughs> So for for the people who are saying that uh, they're using Medium as a conduit to get more uh, people reading your articles, doesn't always work. Right. Yeah, I didn't think it would. It's you go to Medium and it's just it's not built out that way. I, I never bought that. So good to know we have some proof now. I because I was trying to figure out how I could discover it. You know, just as a user, mm-hmm. you can't. You have to still go do all the work. They've got a curated list of editors' picks. You yeah. know, that get. I'm sure flagged from traffic, you know, so you have to bring your, you know, BYOT, bring your own traffic <laughs> or BYOEB, bring your own eyeballs. And so I, I linked to it a couple different places and I got uh, some people who are friends of mine that missed my post about the blog post. So they didn't see it originally on my site, but then they found it on Medium and I got, you know, a couple, you know, uh, I don't know what they call them on there. I don't know if it's favorites or right. promotions or whatever the hell they call it, but I got a couple of those, but still, yeah, like 16 or 17, that was about it. So I will be not posting anything on Medium like I wasn't doing before. So <laughs> experiment success. There you go. We like data. Data is good. Yep. All right, man. Well, go have a nice holiday. Yeah, you too. Everybody out there, I hope you have a good, nice, long weekend. Try not to work, unlike Jason, who will be working all weekend. But uh, get your downtime, people. Uh, if you're in the U.S., get your downtime. And if you're if you're elsewhere, still get your downtime because it is the weekend. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Talk to you next week. Later. Keep up with the Grumpy Old Geeks on the web at GrumpyOldGeeks.com. On Facebook at facebook.com slash grumpyoldgeeks or email them at podcast at grumpyoldgeeks.com. Have a good week. Okay, last one to kill a bad guy buys the beer. We're driving to Florida. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.